0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples A rich man had a steward who was reported to him for squandering his property. He summoned him and said, What is this I hear about you? Prepare a full account of your stewardship because you can no longer be my steward. The steward said to himself, what shall I do? Now that my master is taking the position of steward away from me, I am not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do so that, when I am removed from the stewardship, that they may welcome me into their homes. He called in his master's debtors, one by one. To the first he said, how much do you owe my master? He replied, 100 measures of olive oil. He said to him, here is your promissory note. Sit down and quickly write one for 50. Then to another steward, he said, and you, how much do you owe? He replied, 100 cores of wheat. The steward said to him, here's your promissory note. Write one for 80. And the master commended that dishonest, dishonest steward for acting prudently. For the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation than the children of light. I tell you, make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth, so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones. And the person who is dishonest in very small matters Is also dishonest and great ones. If therefore you are not trustworthy with dishonest wealth, who will trust you with true wealth? If you are not trustworthy with what belongs to another, who will give you what is yours? No servant can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Mammon. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, we're given this very strong line. You cannot serve God and Mammon. You either hate one and love the other or despise the one and love the other. So we cannot love money and God. They, they cannot be on equal planes for us. We, we have to choose and make our choice. And uh, so I've been trying to think of like what's a good way to examine our hearts? What's a good way to examine where our devotion truly lies? So I've been trying to think about this just for myself all week. Where does my devotion lie and how do I know whether or not I am devoted to mammon or devoted to God? And by the way, we all, from time to time in our lives, end up being devoted to mammon and uh, and turning from God. You know, that's what our our core sin is. So I just want you to think about this for a second. Think about um, what happens at work when maybe at the end of the year around Christmas time you get a large bonus. You know, maybe you're given like two or $3,000. You know, or for kids. Think about like grandma sends you a birthday card and you open up the card and there's a $50 bill in there you know, or, or maybe somebody just gives you some, maybe you win the lottery, you know, maybe if it's even like an instant lotto ticket, you win a hundred bucks. What is the first thought that crosses your mind? So like when you have that hundred bucks in your hand or when you get that $3,000 bonus from work, what's the first thought that comes into your mind? Is it, what can I buy for myself? Or, or what can I do with this money? Or is it, what good could I do with this money? You know, like who could I bless with this money? that kind of shows us where our devotion lies you know so if the first thing we think about is what can i get for me we might be a little bit too attached to mammon and we may not be devoted to god so if our first thought when we get a a bunch of money is what can i get for myself chances are we're devoted to mammon and if we're devoted to mammon we're not devoted to god and the idea is we uh, we have to make a choice at some point to either um, love God with our whole, our whole heart, mind, and soul, or otherwise we're going to end up loving money and power and, and riches and fortune and, and fame with our whole heart, mind, and soul. Let me give you a story from a, a, just a good couple that I know. Uh, Mark and Chrissy are friends that I've known since I've been a priest, and um, a few years ago, actually it was in the, in the year 2000, they... Um, it was like a, it was in the you know winter or fall months, and you know how like if you have kids and somebody gets a cold in the house, the cold spreads, right? Like so, if you got one kid with a cold, it's like oh no, it's gonna sweep through the whole house, right? So they had three kids at the time, and it was the two parents, and first one got the cold, then the other got the cold, then the whole family was sick, right? So it was just one of those miserable weeks where everybody was sick, but they noticed that their middle child, the boy, was like really sick. And uh, he wasn 't getting better, and so they thought, well, maybe he 's dehydrated, or you know maybe, uh, maybe he 's got mono or something else. you know, so they took him to the hospital just to get him tested for dehydration or figure out what was wrong with him and he was de- uh, diagnosed with, with meningitis twenty four hours later, they walked out of the hospital without their child. He died, and uh, after that experience they they obviously were devastated, and they were trying just to cope, you know, trying to live. Now Mark um, worked, in, worked in, the, in the real world, you know, the business world, and, and that's kind of where his mind was and his heart, and he was expected to return to work four days later, you know, and he just lost his child, and there was no way he was gonna be back to work in four days, you know. And then they were trying to look into different counseling, and they found uh, some counselors to go to and they would see him once a week and it was $150 a session and, uh, you know, they had three kids and thankfully his parents helped them pay for it. But, but as they'll tell me today, they'll, they'll say, Father, we didn't need like counseling once a week. We needed counseling like three or four times a day, you know. And so they were finding just how uh, difficult it was even to manage. And Mark, before this incident, um, he wasn't devoted totally to God. You know, he was like a Catholic, and so he would come to Mass when his wife, like, dragged him and demanded him, and, you know, he would go to the religious ceremonies, but it was always his wife that was just forcing him to come. Everything changed um, because of this. So there was one day when, uh, and, and one of the, the daughters, Taylor was six at the time, and she's now 19, she's a beautiful girl, she uh, just plays and sings and she's really devoted to kind of helping this cause. But um, she missed like 39 days of school that year, you know, because her parents couldn't even function enough to get, her, get them out of bed. And uh, one day, Mark came into his bedroom and he noticed the closet door was shut. And so he walked up to the closet door, and behind the closet door, he heard his wife crying, just weeping. You know, so he knocked on the door, and he opened it, and uh, took her in his arms. And she just you know, broke. And she said, Mark, I can't do it anymore. I can't deal with this pain anymore. I, I can't do it. And from that moment on, something changed in Mark. And, and for the first time, he kind of became the spiritual father. And he said to her, you know what, honey, God didn't put us on this earth to be happy all the time. You know, he put us on this earth to, to love and to serve and to one day be with him again. And if we want to be with our son again, we got to put God first. And so he took her and he actually took her to church and they made a holy hour together. And then they began praying the rosary together as a family. You know, and then every Sunday, it was Mark who kind of took the lead and said, we're going to Mass. When he saw his wife so broken and vulnerable, it was at that point that he became the spiritual leader of the house. Everything changed in that moment. And now, he is totally devoted to God. But he'll say to me something still to this day, very, very insightful. He'll say to me, Father... I'm so glad I'm at work with my spiritual life. I'm so glad my family's at where they're at. I wish it didn't have to happen that way. You know, and the truth is, for all of us, at some point or another, the chips are going to fall. You know, everything's going to fall out of place, and we're dependent on God. And Mark told me, I wish it wouldn't have happened that way. You know, he's saying, I wish it didn't take my child dying for me to finally turn towards God. So he talks about that moment in adoration, and he said, you know, before that, he was kind of like just just laying down. He was, He's was wiped out, and he describes it as getting vertical. He said, I finally got vertical. You know, I got on my knees before God, and, you know, if you think about that, getting on your knees and holding out your hands and opening yourself up, he said, that's the point I finally turned to God and said, God, I need you. I need you to help me, I need you to help my wife, I need you to help my family. And uh, that was the breaking point. You know, that was where Mark really turned his heart from mammon, from worldly things, and turned his heart to God. He wishes it didn't have to happen that way, but that's how it happened. So now he's completely devoted. You know, it's amazing to see their wife, his wife, you know, their marriage is wonderful. The kids are, are just awesome kids. They're totally devoted. So he's kinda given up the whole workforce and he's started a nonprofit called Cornerstone of Hope, which is in Brexville, and he created this home. It's like it literally is a home, but it's it's a, a place of refuge for people that have lost their children or loved ones and they can go there and no one's turned away. You know, so if they can't afford counseling, they still help them. And uh This is what they're totally devoted to now, to helping others. And he has found that uh, there was no way he was ever going to get rid of that pain of losing a child. But he did find if he devoted himself to God and to helping others, that pain became transformed and, and redemptive. You know, so what if we find ourselves too devoted to Mammon? What can we do? You know, so if you, when I asked you that question right at the beginning, if you were given, if you opened a card and it had a hundred bucks, and the first thought is, what can I get myself? What can we do if we find ourselves too devoted to, to mammon and we don't want to kind of learn the hard way to turn to God? Well, I think the first thing that we can do is genuinely ask God. So first off, pray and, and just ask God, God, open my eyes and help me to see if I'm too devoted to mammon and if I need to be devoted to you, just ask him to gently open your eyes. The thing is, with God, he's, he's never going to hurt you, you know, so he'll do it in such a way that um, it's not going to be devastating, but you're going to begin to see that maybe you are too devoted to the world. Maybe you are too devoted to your work or too devoted to money or, and not devoted enough to God. So first off, ask him to help you to see. Secondly, if if your temptation is to take that and to buy yourself something, um, try to, like, taper that, you know? So the church is always taught tithing, to give 10%. And it doesn't even have to be to St. Joseph's. It's great if you want to do that, but to give 10% to to someone or something or some uh, organization that really needs it. You know, so if you get a bonus at the end of this year at Christmas time, 10%, so think about that. If you get $3,000, what's 10%? $300. So give $300 in some way to charity. It's just a way to kind of temper or taper um, any selfish motives that we have. Finally, the third thing is, so the first is pray. Ask God to open your eyes. The second is, is tithe, you know, so to actually kind of put some kind of temperance on that. And the third is to get to know the poor. Because when we actually get to know the poor, something will shift in us. What happened with Mark is he saw his wife as finally poor and vulnerable. She wasn't in charge anymore. She was broken. And when he encountered her as the poor, it changed his life. And he began being the spiritual leader of their house. So the third thing we can do just to kind of um, transform our lives from mammon to God is to get involved with the poor, to get to know them. You know, so in some way, get involved with a with shelter. You know, take, have some kind of experience that, that gets you involved with the poor. When you encounter the poor in the streets, try to look at them. Try to greet them. Ask their name. We take a, a mission trip to El Salvador. So last year we took 19 parishioners here from here to El Salvador. Now, the the big question was, Father, wouldn't we be much better off not flying and going there and sending our money? So it cost about, I don't know, $1,500 is what I asked them to budget, times 19. That's a lot of money, right? So they said, wouldn't we be better off just sending that money there? You know what my answer was? No, I want you to go. Because what happens when you go? When you go and actually meet the poor, when you go and, and, and kind of discover how the rest of the world lives, it changes you forever. And then you want to give everything that you have to them. You know, you want to, you want to give every, every, every spare, or every extra thing that you can give, you want to give it to the poor because you see how much they need it. It's like Mark who saw his broken wife. He wanted to give everything that he could to make that marriage last and to, to, to keep their family together. He ultimately said that's the only way we can truly honor and remember our son is if we stay together as a family. Nobody loved our son more than we did, you know, as husband and wife. And so we need to stay together. Ultimately, at some point, you have to make a choice to serve mammon or to serve God. We can't serve both. Because at one point, we're either going to come to despise God or we're going to come to despise wealth. We can't serve both. And so if your initial uh, reaction to that is, what can I get for myself? Just think about those three things. First of all, pray and ask God to open your eyes. Secondly, consider tithing, giving 10% of everything that you make or, or bring into the poor. And thirdly, in some way, um, try to encounter the poor. Maybe, go, maybe think of going on the mission trip with us or you know, do some of the service projects that we have here. Encounter the poor so that our eyes can truly be opened and we won't be, divi- we won't be um, completely in love with wealth or with money or, or selfish about that, but truly be devoted to God because he can't serve both. It's mammon or God. Make your choice.